Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the job. My name's Chris. We're so glad you chose uh, to hang out with us today. And I really do want to encourage you to download the app. Tomorrow, we're starting that devotional piece. So you want to begin your morning by, uh, you know, being encouraged and uh, being able to be happy uh, as you go through that day. And so if you would, uh, just go ahead and uh, put that on the download, and you will get that. And then each day, we'll give you notifications, Monday through Friday, on that devotion. Uh, Sarah uh, Schaefer and Waylon Schaefer kind of help kind of put this together. They're great writers, and Sarah's a great artist. And so it's a, a really cool way for you to kind of get uh, focused in on that. So uh, if you could do that, that'd be awesome. Uh, if you don't have a smartphone or you don't know how to kind of download that, we do have some printed copies that are at the uh, guest connections. And so you can go. We have a limited number, but you can go back there and check that out as well. Also, uh, when you walked in today, you should have received a seat packet that looks like this. If you can pull that out of your program, if you got a program. Uh, if you didn't get a program, just raise your hand. And we'll get one of these seat packets to you, because you'll want this later on. Uh, don't start planting anything now, okay? But in just a little bit, uh, we'll talk about that more. But if you need one, just raise your hand. Uh, there's some readers up there uh, to help in the balcony uh, as well. Now, uh, I want to begin this morning by having a little bit of a review um, from last week. And so uh, I hope you get the answers correct, because if you don't, I'm going to have to teach last week's message and this week's message, okay? So I'm sure you don't want to do that. So here's the first question. Let's see if you can get the right answer. What makes you happy? Does anyone remember what is it? Okay, we're going to have to teach next week. I'm telling you, what is it? No, 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 no thing makes you happy, right? That's all. Man, I'm, I'm worried here. <laughs> What's happening? What makes you happy? What is it again? Nothing. Yeah, no thing makes you happy. Okay, and then we talked about also uh, kind of what our big idea was. I'm sure you'll remember this and do so much better. Happiness is more about a that's good, good, than a what exactly? Happiness is so much more about who and relationships than it is the things that we have. Now. Growing up as a PK, a uh, preacher's kid, there was a song that we would often sing, uh, and it went something like this. I think we have the words for it. If you're happy and you know it, what? Yeah, clap your hands. And uh, I always liked that song. The problem was, though, every time adults in our church would sing that song, they would do something like this. If you're happy and you know it. And their face just did not show that they were very happy. In fact, most of the time, they were very bitter, you know, face-hurt people. And it, it was just nasty. It's like, if you're happy and you know it, they said something more like this. If you're happy and you know it, repent, you little brat. You know? And that's kind of the way that it was. And one thing I found with adults is that this is what happens to us, folks. The older that we get, we tend to be less happy. And unhappiness just kind of sets in. And yet, God created you with a capacity of happiness, and he wants you to fulfill it. So today, we're going to look at one of Jesus' 
most famous teaching, maybe his most famous, called the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins teaching this sermon with, uh, by giving us a list of blessings, or they, you might have heard them before called the Beatitudes. There are eight of them there. And in the midst of this whole kind of piece, he answers the question of what makes you happy. In other words, if you were going to go up to Jesus and you were to ask, you know, hey Jesus, what is it that makes us happy? That word comes from a Greek word. Um, the Greek word is makarios. And what this basically means, this is your first fill-in on your app or in your program. What that word means is fortunate or happy. Fortunate or happy. So this is a message in which Jesus says, this is what happy people do. This is what happy people think. This is what happy people behave. This is how they act. He says, if you want to be happy, these are the things you should be about. Now, there are eight of these blessings that we're going to go through today. And uh, I need you to think deep. So if you've already started drifting, think about what you're going to eat or whatever that is. I want you to come back. Okay, come back to me. I may have to do this a few times. And let's kind of focus in, because all of these particular blessings, I think if you could place them in your life, or at least maybe choose one to place in your life, you will see incremental growth when it comes to happiness. And if you're here today, and you're not a Christian, or you haven't come to church in a while, or you know, you're not so sure about this Jesus thing, or you've drifted away, you want to listen to this, because it's very, very important, because the reality is everyone wants to be more happy, and Jesus, who was incredibly smart, said if you'll do these things, it will create happiness in your life. So let's just kind of dive into the teaching in Matthew chapter 5, and this is what it uh, says, uh, Sermon on the Mount. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. And it says, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, the question is, what was he going to teach them? Well, what's ironic is that he teaches them about happiness. He says, if you want to be happy, this is what you can do. And he begins this list of blessings. Here's the first one he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit... For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So right at the beginning, what Jesus does is he actually focuses in on dealing with one of the greatest myths that we have in our culture. And it's essentially this. Many of you who are sitting here right now, this is what you think. Happy people are rich people. Like, if you're rich, you're really happy. And then others of you say, oh, no, no, no. Happy people are the poor people because that's who it is. But instead, Jesus says, rich people aren't happy and poor people aren't happy. But he says, if you want to know who is happy, the happiest people are those who are poor in spirit. And so we look at that phrase, poor in spirit, and we're like, say, what? Like, like... What does that mean? What is the focus of that? And this is what it is. This is your next fill-in. 
Poor in spirit are happy people who embrace their daily dependence on God regardless of what they have. They choose to depend upon God regardless of what they have. So, uh, the poor in spirit are people who have a lot. The poor in spirit are the people who have nothing. And the poor in spirit are people who are in between. These people simply say, God, no matter what, I'm going to choose to be dependent upon you rather than my riches. Those who are poor in spirit live every single day walking through and saying, God, I'm going to be dependent upon you. Not on anything else, but I'm going to choose to be dependent on you. And the reason that many of us struggle to do this is because we think it's about our riches that will make us happy. And so then we choose not to be as dependent upon God. Uh, Some of you have learned this concept the hard way, or maybe you're uh, learning it right now. And uh, this is what some of you think. That the moment you put your trust in riches instead of him who richly provides, you're unhappy. But you turn it around the other way and you say, well, the moment that I have enough riches, then I'll be happy. But no, that's not what it says. The moment you put your trust in riches instead of him who richly provides, that's when you're unhappy. The moment that you kind of transfer your trust from the, the riches that you have to him, that's when unhappiness sets in. And when I mean riches, I just don't mean money. I mean opportunities, your education, what you have, what you own, where what you drive, where you're at. All of this builds into your and my self-esteem. And the moment that we transfer our trust from the riches that we have to him, life is happy. But when we transfer it from him to our riches, you and I become very unhappy. And why do I know that? Because suddenly, it is up to you to control the outcomes. And the fact is, folks, you can't control outcomes. Money never controls ultimate outcomes. Now, you can influence outcomes, but at the end of the day, you cannot control them. And the moment that I place my trust in my riches, rather than in God himself, suddenly I find that I'm taking on a responsibility that I can't handle. I start carrying things that I simply can't control. This is why you're not unhappy because you're poor. You're not unhappy because you're rich. You're not unhappy because you're middle class. We become unhappy because we put our trust more in the riches around us than in the one who provides us. Happy people are those who it doesn't matter what their income looks like. They say, I'm going to put my confidence in God no matter what. My confidence is not in my stuff. My confidence is the one who provides me the stuff. Now, uh, I struggle with this kind of dependence on God daily kind of thing. But my two youngest daughters, Jordan and Shiloh, I think we have a picture of this. 
that was your Halloween outfit they're going to do. They really helped me in this area. Many times I get kind of overwhelmed because of things that are going on in my life. I get anxious about it, and one of them will come up and they'll say something like, Dad, God's got this. Um, It'll be okay. A prime example, a few years ago, we uh, traveled to Edisville Island for vacation in South Carolina. And uh, when we got there, the trip was great. Uh, We pulled into the place where we were going to stay, and we unpacked everything. And then we came back out, and I could not start my car. And uh, I couldn't start it, couldn't start it. They... uh, Got, came and got the car. They took the car to a mechanic. He couldn't do anything. They finally got me to a dealership, and this is what they found out. We had blown the engine. So when that happens, all of a sudden, I go into panic mode, and I start thinking to myself, what are we going to do? So uh, I go, and I say, well, well, can you fix it? And they go, oh, yeah, about two or three weeks. Like two or three weeks? Oh, no, no, my daughter's starting kindergarten. What are you talking about? And uh, pretty soon, uh, they uh, say, no, that's it. And so I start freaking out. And we go back to the car. I'm like, we're going to pray. We're going to try it one more time. And we prayed and we tried it and nothing. And I start getting mad and angry. I'm like, now we're going to have to, you know, buy like a rental car. And I'm going to have to fly back here to get the car and all of this. And I look in the rearview mirror, and George and Shiloh are praying in the back seat. And then all of a sudden, this is what they tell me. Daddy, God's big enough to handle this. Don't worry about it. I was like, shut up. You know? <laughs> But this is what we found out. We actually had a powertrain warranty. And it was bumper to bumper. It paid for everything. And God took care of what I was most concerned about. Folks, God's desire for you and me is to be a little bit more childlike. That we would wake up in the mornings and say, I'm going to be dependent upon you because you've always been faithful to me. So Jesus said, if you want to be happy, he says, happy people are those who are poor in spirit, who depend upon him more than the riches around them. Then Jesus goes on and he says this, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And again, when I read that, I'm like, say what? Like, like what is that? About how can someone who is mourning be blessed? Well, this is kind of what happy people do. Happy people are people who are emotionally connected and don't run away from the bad things in this world. Happy people are those who are emotionally connected and who do not run away from the bad things in this world. Uh, That's who people are they realize that death is simply a part of life. That it's going to happen one day to all of us, and until it does, I'm not going to freak out about it. But I think maybe one word, more than any other word in the English language, that freaks us out as human beings is that word, death. How do I know this? Because when people go to funerals, this is what they do, especially if it's a visitation. I want to get in there, and I want to get out, and I don't want any of it to touch me. Like, 
and the important things in life, like going back to work. And so you want to go in, you want to experience whatever it is, but you don't want too much of it. You want to be gone. And Jesus said, if this is your attitude, you will never be happy. Or another way to put it is this, folks. Fear of dying will rob you of the joy of living. If you are constantly thinking about the end, it robs you from living in it in the moment. I mean, if you're not willing to fully embrace the fact that one day your heart will stop, as far as I know, you know, uh, mortality is still at 100%. You know, like it, it's going to happen. I mean, if you're there and if you spend all your time and your energy always thinking about death and the end, what it's going to be, Jesus says, this will not help you. He says, let me give you a clue, though. Blessed people are people who face grief, who face death, who face whatever the issue is in front of them. And this is the thing. They actually feel it. They endure it. They mourn what they have to mourn. They do not run away and hide. You know, the happiest people I know are the people who are like, you know what, death is coming, but I don't focus on it. Because there's too much to live right now. They don't dwell on it. They don't fear it. They don't think that, you know, the time is coming closer and closer. I mean, they just have come to this conclusion that there is more to life than just this life, so I'm going to live to the fullest I can today. And as they realize that, they say, and when things happen in my life, things that are random, things that are bad, stuff that happens within my life, this is what I know. There is a God who comforts me when I mourn. I don't try to hide it, but in my mourning, God comforts me. And that makes me happy. Then Jesus goes on to say these words, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, uh, this word meek is not a word that we like too much in our culture. It kind of has a negative connotation. When we hear, hear of someone who is meek, we think of someone who is spineless, who's kind of weak, who's kind of wimpy. I mean, for example, if you're a dad, when you think about, and you're a dad of a daughter, when you think of who your daughter is going to marry, you know, you don't like think through a whole list and go, you know what, honey, more than anything else, I want you to marry a meek man. I want you to marry a meek man. No, you know what you think if you have a daughter? I want you to marry a man who has a J-O-B, who has some B-U-X, because I don't want you in my house, right? I mean, that's it. That's kind of what you want. Again, when it comes to meekness, we think of weakness. But Jesus understood meekness is something very different. In fact, he said people who are meek are these kind of people. They're people who have strength under control. They have strength, but it's under control. The kind of Greek word for meek is an image of a wild stallion that has been tamed. Growing up, I had uh, some friends of mine who had horses. And I'll never forget staying at their house one day. We looked out, and in this little corral, uh, their dad was trying to tame this stallion. And this horse was kicking and bucking and biting and 
snot flying everywhere and just trying to do anything he could. And eventually, he was trying to just get a rope around its neck. And he gets this rope around this horse's neck. And uh, every once in a while, he'd get it to calm down and come up and he'd like pet it. And then all of a sudden, everything seemed fine. I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. But then he got that thing that you put on a horse. What do you put on a horse if you want to ride it? A saddle. And when he tried to put that saddle on that horse, it kicked him across the way. He fell down. I thought he was dead. And, like, there's this whole process that's going on, and he finally gets the saddle on, and I'm thinking, he's never going to be able to ride this thing. What's crazy? But he just kept working with it, working with it, working with it, and eventually, that horse became tame, and it became a great horse, and we were able to ride it as kids uh, later that summer. Folks, why is it that you break or you tame a stallion? Why does someone do that? Because they want it to be more useful. The best way of an image of meekness is this. A stallion that has been tamed. And meekness is strength under control. So when you pull up to that light and someone flies in front of you or they cut you off or they do something else, rather than getting angry, you have strength, but you have it under control. Meek is not simply about being a doormat or having someone walk on you. It's about having strength, but under control. It's conviction. It's having a gentle spirit. When someone's talking to you, rather than talking over them or getting upset or uptight, or if you're in a marriage, you know, rather than raising your voice, you go, you know what, I'm going to choose to be me. I'm going to have strength. I'm going to have my opinion. But I'm going to have it under control. And so Jesus says, if you want to be happy, you embrace me. Then Jesus goes on to say these words, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, what is Jesus trying to say here? This is kind of the take-home message on this one. And it's this, that righteous people are happy people who are committed to doing the right thing, even when it costs them. That I'm going to do the right thing even if it costs me something. Folks, at the end of the day, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are simply asking this tough question all the time, all the time. What is the right thing to do? A person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, they walk through their life and they go, hey, what is the right thing to do? Jesus said, if you'll do this, if you'll ask this question all the time, what's the right thing to do with whatever situation? He says, you will be happy. Doing the right things, folks, even if it costs you, creates happiness. Now, how do I know this? Well, when I look back on my life, and I think about some of the regrets that I've had in my life, My greatest regrets have never been because I did the right thing. Like, it's not like I did the right thing and I'm like, oh, that's horrible. Like, why did I do that? My my greatest regrets, folks, are always because of the 
things that I have done that are wrong. Your greatest regrets are not the right things that you've done, it's when you've done the wrong thing. I mean, I doubt if there's anybody here that would go, you know what, I'd love to redo high school. And do you know why? I'd just like to go back to high school and, like, get in more trouble. <laughs> no one says, oh, man, I'd like to redo my freshman year in college, you know, when I was partying. I'd like to even do more and do some more wrong things. No, it doesn't happen that way. Folks, our greatest regrets come from the fact that we knew the difference between what was right and what was wrong, and guess what we chose? What was wrong? And Jesus says, look, I know it might not be popular, I know it might sound kind of religious, but happy people, happy people are those who hunger, and I love this, and they thirst for doing the right things. Then Jesus goes on to say this. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, what's mercy? I mean, we, we think about that all the time. My first image of mercy was my brother over me, pinning me down to the floor and going, Say it! Say it! And I have to say, Mercy! Okay? That's not what mercy is. This is what mercy is. Mercy are happy people who are relationally generous. They are relationally generous. Happy people are those people who are kind. Happy people are those people who give folks exactly what they don't deserve. They are people who don't seek revenge. They are people who don't hold grudges. Happy people are those who forgive and they actually want to do that. Happy people are those who put away bitterness. They are people who are not willing to say, I'm going to pay them back. They're just relationally generous, and they extend mercy. You know, I don't know about you, but I've never found a happy, bitter person. I've just never known a happy person who holds grudges. I've just never seen a happy person who is overwhelmingly kind of resentful towards others. But, you know, the kind of people I've met? People who have been horribly mistreated. People who have been horrible, have had horrible circumstances in their life, and yet they come out on the other side and they're happy. And they're fine. And when you dig deep, what you find is that they were just simply always relationally generous. They decided to extend to their dad what their dad didn't deserve. They decided to extend to their boss what their boss didn't deserve. They decided to extend to their ex-husband or their ex-wife exactly what the ex-husband or the ex-wife didn't deserve. They were relationally generous, and even though they never got the apology, even though they never paid them back the money that they gave to them, even though they never had the person who offended them own it, they just decided, I'm going to give mercy 
because I want to be happy. And Jesus says, I understand this. Happy, blessed are those who give mercy. And then Jesus goes on and he says uh, these words, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I think this, this verse right here, folks, might be the most profound verse in the entire Bible. I think this because as a pastor, there are countless times in which I'm with people, and I bet some of you have experienced this before as well, but, but you're going through a season of your life, or you're going through kind of a, a relationship from your past, maybe a previous season from your past, something from your past, and people will come up to me and they'll say, I just don't know why I put myself in that situation. Well, why didn't I see this coming? How could I have been so stupid? How could I have been so naive to get in that situation? Why didn't I have the clarity to just walk away, get out of the relationship, go somewhere else, get out of the apartment, whatever it was, what was I thinking? And as gently as I can, when people tell me all of this, I just go, well, actually, um, Jesus addressed this. Jesus invited every single one of you and me into purity. And purity, folks, is a word that our culture doesn't even use. I mean, think about it. When do we use the word pure? When we talk about water. I think the Sani is more pure than Aquafina. Because you all are water snobs. You are. You all have a particular water that you like more than something else. But Jesus says, I just want you to know that if you want clarity in your life, it begins with purity. In fact, the pure in heart are happy people who see purity as a bridge to seeing the activity of God. That happy people are just those who see it as a, a bridge. And for some of you, I don't know who I'm talking to, but for some of you right now, this, what I'm saying on purity, it is like a real big issue in your life. Because you are getting ready to face a decision and you know that you have a choice whether you're going to have a pure relationship or a pure kind of moral decision or a pure ethical one or not. But there's something inside of each one of you as you think of this decision of where you're going to choose purity or not. You're like, but if I do that, I'm afraid I'm going to be missing something. I'm afraid if I, if I have a, a pure mind in this, I'm going to miss something. I'm going to miss something. And this is what Jesus would have uh, me say to you today. I think Jesus, if he were here, he would say this. He would say, no, you're not. You're, you're not going to miss out on anything if you choose a pure mindset. I mean, if you have a pure mind, if you have a renewed mind, if you think my thoughts, Jesus would say, the day will come when you will realize, you know what, I'm glad I didn't go down that road because I'm not missing out on anything. You'll have the clarity to see that following Jesus actually leads to happiness.
this. And when you choose purity as a choice, it changes this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And then Jesus goes on to say these words. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Remember, uh, last week we talked about peace, that it's key to kind of happiness. And, and if you remember, we learned that, you know, peace with God actually helps me then to be at peace with myself. Now, why does Jesus say this? Because your Heavenly Father wants to make peace with you. And if you make peace with others, you actually are living like him. You're actually living like one of his kids. So he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And this is what this one is all about. That peacemakers are people who are committed to reconciliation. They just make a commitment of reconciliation. Happy people are reconcilers, not dividers. They mend things. They don't go into the family and create chaos and all kinds of division and drama all the time. They actually are people who choose to mend broken relationships. Broken places, broken relationships, broken spaces. They do this, and Jesus says, you can model this. Then finally, Jesus wraps up these eight particular kind of blessings by giving us one more, and he says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And when I first was studying that this week, I was kind of like, what is he talking about here? I mean, if there's any say what, it's this one. Like, how can you be blessed and persecuted at the same time. Those things don't go together at all. I mean, they are polar opposites. So what is Jesus getting at here? Well, he says this, in your life, in my life, in every human being's life that you'll ever see, this is what is true. We're all going to suffer. We're all going to be persecuted. And the reality is, you either choose to suffer for doing the right thing, or you suffer for doing the wrong thing. But you can't be on both sides of the equation if you want happiness. You have to choose the right thing. Jesus is like, just think about it. In your life, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be mistreated. It happens to all of us. It happened to some of you this week in your workplace or with your family. Something happened. But do you want to be mistreated for doing the right thing, or do you want to be mistreated for doing the wrong thing? And Jesus said, even when you are persecuted, happy people are people who choose to suffer for doing the right thing. You know, at the end of the day, folks, all of us are going to be mistreated. The key is, will you choose to suffer for doing right things, or will you choose to suffer for doing wrong things? Or can you choose to do the right thing? Well, folks, in this teaching, Jesus finally says, you know what? Actually, if you look at all eight of these things, there's kind of a common denominator. There's something that actually kind of brings all of these eight things 
together. And he says, so you want to know what the common denominator is of these eight blessings? What could be life-changing? What could happen? And he says, this is an unavoidable conclusion if you want happiness. And from these eight things, and this is what we learn, and it's this. Happiness is an outcome. It's a result. Happiness, folks, is always an outcome. It's always a result. Happiness is more about the, the ultimate than it is about the immediate. Because many times, uh, we cannot be immediately happy. You cannot have a sense of accessibility to happiness immediately. It's not like, hey, you know what? I'm going to listen to that song, and then I'll be happy. Or I'm going to read that book, and I'll be happy. If I'm struggling in this area, I'll go to this counselor, and everything will be better and happy. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't do those things. All those things are beneficial. But I'm telling you, you probably didn't walk in here today, and you walked in at 9 o'clock, and you're like, you know what? I'm unhappy. And then at 10.15, you're going to walk out, and you're going to be like, I'm happy. I'm just like, so happy. Like, what happened? I heard that thing. I read that thing. I did that deal. We had this message. I had this conference. I even took notes today, bunch. <laughs> and Jesus said, no, what you need to understand, happiness is so much better than that. It's so much richer than that. Happiness is an outcome. You know what happiness is? A lot of times... We think of happiness, we think of like a computer programmer who's like by themselves, they're, they're in their own code, they're fathers, they're doing all this smart stuff. You know what happiness really though is? It's a picture of a farmer. And it's a picture of a farmer who is constantly planting seeds. It, it's this right here. Your take-home point. You sow and you reap your way to happiness. You do. You sow, you reap, your way into happiness. Now, I know that some of you are here today, and if you were honest, you'll say, you know what, though? I have sown and I have reaped my way into unhappiness before. Yeah. I'm sure you have. I have. And today, the place where you're at, the place that you want to avoid, the thing that you don't want to deal with, the place that you wish you wouldn't have arrived, you sowed your way there. No one else did that. You did. And Jesus says, I've got some great news. If you want to get out of that unhappiness thing, I've got a way for you to do that. So if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus, what is it that makes a person happy? He would say, everything I just told you in that list of eight, just follow me and you'll get to happiness. So, this is how we're going to close. I told you all about these seeds. This little packet of seeds. So pull this out real quick. Pull out your packet of seeds. Now, I don't want you to go plant something, okay? I'm not asking you to do a garden or anything like that. I just want you to pull this out. And I want this image of sowing and reaping happiness being your life so much that we gave you these seeds for a reason. I want you to look at the eight kind of 
blessings that he gave to us. And I simply want you to choose one of these that you are going to sow into your life now and through the rest of 2019. What is one of these things that I'm going to sow into my life? Maybe for some of you, it is pure in spirit. The reality is, you are not being dependent upon God, and uh, you're just thinking about your riches all the time, and you're getting consumed, and, and that's yours. And then the back of this, there's a little place for you to write whatever it is. So for some of you, maybe it is the pure in spirit. Next one, mourners. Maybe some of you, you're grieving right now, but you're keeping it all bottled in because you don't know if God will comfort you. Or you're, you're concerned about, you know, death itself and it consumes you and you're overwhelmed by it and you're not so sure. But for you, you know, it says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Maybe for others of you, it's meekness. I mean, every single time you go to that stoplight and someone cuts in front of you, you say, you big jerk, and you push the horn and everything, and you know what? You're out of control. Meekness is when you say, I'll be gentle, and I'll choose that strength, but I'll have it under control. Maybe for some of you, it's righteousness, just to do the right thing. You have something in your life right now where you can choose to do the right thing or the wrong thing. The choice is up to you. And Jesus is telling you that if you would sow this seed of righteousness into your life, you would be so much happier. Maybe for others of you, it is this word, uh, we bring it back up again? And die. Okay, well you know the next one. It's uh, mercy. Uh, maybe for others of you, uh, it really is mercy. That you have this sense that you need to be relationally generous, but there's something within you that wants to get back at people. And some of you walked in here today, and you're resentful, you're bitter, you, you want someone to have it. God is saying today, no, 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 just be merciful. And then maybe for others of you, it's pure in heart. You have a decision to make. You could get out of the relationship. You could walk away. You could say, you know what, I'm not going to look at that subscription anymore. I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm choosing today to be pure in heart. And Jesus is telling you, if you would do that, you would be so much happier. Then for others of you, maybe it's peacemakers. Maybe the reality is your family drives you so crazy, and you're part of the problem. Like, you need to hold back and say, I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to work at reconciliation. I'm going to be a peacemaker. And then maybe for others of you, it's you're thinking about being persecuted for righteousness. The reality is, you want to do the right thing but you're afraid I'm going to be missing out on something if I don't do it. You're afraid of standing up for what is right because you're afraid that it might damage your reputation. You're afraid of, of saying something because you're afraid that you'll be persecuted in some way. So what I want to do right now is we'll bring the lights down. I just want you to take what a number? moment with these eight things. Which one do you need to sow into your life as a blessing right now? And that between now and the rest of the year, you will try to live that.
Just you would take a moment to do that. result. 